Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. Um, fresh off vacation, really, really tired. Uh, I was supposed to record an episode of this on vacation, and I, it, it, I could probably get by with just telling you I had technical difficulties, but let's just say that microphones don't like pool water. And I had to get my butt home to uh, my my backup kit and <laughs> record this as quickly as I could. And uh, instead of family members, I'm going to have somebody who's becoming just about as close as family. Jim Stam is joining me again this week. So, Jim, say hello, everybody. Hey, guys. How's it going? I, I, I want to know how you get to go on vacation and I get a head cold all week. That doesn't sound fair at all, Gary. It doesn't sound fair at all, but... Uh, according to my Twitter timeline that I largely ignored for a week, everybody would be more than happy if I went away permanently so that the Pirates <laughs> could keep winning. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not that quite that superstitious, but um, I do think that we should spend a little time dispelling some, some myths that, that have been floating around uh, all over the place recently. And I, I don't want to just go out and, and say something as simple as uh, everybody's kind of crazy or paranoid, but I, I think maybe maybe everyone just needs to chill a little bit, okay? So let's start with topic number one today, the draft. I keep hearing, and, and it's been reported, this isn't just fans making it up in their heads. I've seen it on traderumors.com, and I've seen some other news news outlets come out and say it. The Pirates are going to mess around with this first pick so that, you know, try to get under slot so that they can get more talent later, right? Um, I'll let you give your thoughts on this, but, like, off, off the top of my head, the way I read it, the top eight in the draft are all going to require between $8 million and 8.5. The slot is about 8.4. I don't see them avoiding anybody for price tag. I really don't. And I think it's silly to think they would. I mean, you'd have to see them completely drop off the board and pick out of the projected top 10 to get to where that figure would make sense to do what people are assuming. And let's be clear. Let's explain why people think this is a thing, right? People think it's because if they take somebody under slot at 1-1, they'll be able to pay somebody over slot later on to maybe prevent them from going to college and or somebody that they didn't think they could sign as an early second round pick, they can now because they might be able to pay them first round money. It makes sense on the surface. This is not that kind of draft. There just is not that kind of talent pool this year. I mean, what, what are you thinking on this? I mean, I, was, I know you're seeing this stuff flying around. Yeah, the, the last couple of days, it's kind of um, that that aspect of it ha- has really seemed to uh, uh, come to the surface a little bit. Um, you know, we're not – look, like you already, you already mentioned about um, when we're talking about the range here for the slot – we're not talking millions of dollars here. So 
Um, what are we, I mean, a couple hundred thousand. I, I don't know how much that gets you right. uh, in the door with guys. Um, so I, I, I don't know if it's truly what is taking place or if this is just um, talk and people trying to outthink the room. Um, I think you also can take, you know, what you hear from GMs and stuff at this point with a grain of salt too. Um, There's only one player in the draft at, at the top of the board anyway, who really has any kind of reasonable um, expectation to push for more money. And that's Lawler because he's the only one that the top three are clearly interested in. All right. I mean, He's going to go top three, period. So he probably has the most flexibility to push for money. He might be able to get to to require a little overslot, possibly. Everybody else is going to fall right in line with slot or near slot. I I just don't see this as being an issue this year. And, And I also think that the people that are going all the way back and comparing it to the, the Bullington pick and what I, you, you just are, are practicing revisionist history. The draft has changed since then. That was a different scenario entirely where the Pirates were just looking for somebody that would sign with them and sign with them affordably. It did not have anything to do with MLB's slotting or any of the things that they do. It, it's changed completely. It's a different environment. And it, it's just time to put that to bed. That, that, that was a lifetime ago when you're talking about even just with the pirates in general. Um, I mean, how many years ago is that now? Jeez. Um, but it, it's just, things are, things are so different now with, uh, like you said, the draft, the pirates in general, the uh, management team that's in place now compared to what was going on at that point. You know, I just don't, I just don't think uh, we're listen. We're both on record as as being uh, people that I uh, said that it, they weren't going to get cute here. I still don't think they will. Um, you know, maybe we get surprised and um, they do something a little bit out of the ordinary, but um, they're 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 not going to go that route. Um, and people bringing that up, I don't know if that's just PTSD and and um, you know um, afraid that you're going to see something truly crazy like a Bullington or a, a Daniel Moscow situation. I just don't, I just yeah. don't think that that's in, in the realm of possibility this time. I still think they're going to take one of the two, three best players available and um, let the chips fall where they may, but Hey, you know, we can sit here and speculate. We'll know soon enough. That's the exciting part about it. I, I mean, it is the exciting part of it. And I think, another aspect of the draft that a lot of people need to pay attention to this year is there just is not a transformative figure in the draft. Um, which is very, which is very piratey, you know, in the sense of, it is. well, you'd, lo- you'd love to have that. That would be such a great, I mean, that would be such a great, um, you know, uh, way to just time it, but yeah, it's not, that's just not the case this year. Yeah. I mean, uh, Lawler and Meyer probably have the best shot at being, a Machado, if you will. 
but uh, and that's the guy that everybody compares it to, you know. Right. They have the best shot at, at winding up like that. They've got a long way to go to get there. And it's not a sure a surefire thing that, that it's gonna happen. Um Leiter has the best shot to be a solid pitcher, but he profiles as a middle of the rotation guy. I just don't think people fully understand that the talent level is not the same every single year in the draft. They're not going to pass on Kumar Rocker because he wants too much money. Kumar Rocker would be crazy to pass up first round slot money. Right. Because he's falling down the board, whether you want to believe it or not, no matter how long he's been your pick. Um, yeah. And prepare to be wrong as you are. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. I mean, look, we both poured over scouting reports on these guys, right? And even when you're looking at the projections long-term with a guy like Meyer, who we hear his name, I think more than anybody at this point, as far as being uh, maybe that top selection, even he sometimes in these projections, they're talking about him being, an above average major league shortstop and having a nice career, but maybe not being a hall of fame type player. So I think pirate fans and baseball fans in general, like you said, they have, you have to realize what kind of talent you have in the draft and, and how much that, that top tier talent uh, uh, compares against other years. And um, look, whoever they pick, we're not talking, um, you know, go ahead and pencil them in as perennial all-stars. This is not the year for that. Yeah. And, and you also need to remember a successful pick, even if it's number one overall is, is somebody that makes it to the major leagues, plays well, has a good career, (laughs) right. Has a good, has a good career. Yeah. I mean, like if you get like a, a 20 war career player, you've done pretty well. And people don't want to hear that. Everyone wants to think you're, you're drafting Ken Griffey Jr. He's not in this draft. Bryce Harper's not in this draft. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, Spencer Torkelson isn't in this draft. Right. They just don't have that kind of um, player this year. Just isn't there. And I, and I think that that's where the talk does come from, right, with the, slot, the slotting situation, and maybe the Pirates will try to do this and that. Um, so that's probably where it does come from. Well, it comes but, from that, and because it because the draft is set up that way with those types of players, it's impossible right. to be wrong. You know, if you say like they're going to pick somebody because they can spend a little less, and they sign anybody that they pick for like eight point two, guess what the narrative's going to be? Right. Well, oh, well, listen, I don't. <laughs> I know you're on vacation, but. Um, some things were tweeted out by some, I'll put the quote marks around it, um, that kind of, I thought was an irresponsible way to, you know, um, phrase things and, uh, boy, uh, pirates Twitter just exploded because it, it gave off the impression that this is going to be a, um, a cheap thing. And I, I just, it was it was war- worded poorly, purposeful or not, I don't know. But it certainly got a reaction out of Twitter, that's for sure. As always. But, <laughs> I mean, 
on that note, let's go ahead and take a break and we'll, we'll jump right back into dispelling a few more myths. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We're back, and uh, the next myth I'd like to talk about is um, a rich guy is interested in buying the pirates, so everybody just explodes with fervor and excitement that the sale is imminent. Um, I I should be honest. I saw this right before I left. I chose not to really talk about it because... <laughs> It was something that I just found ridiculous, but man, did it get legs after, after I left and, and I came back and and started really pouring into some of the comments that I had. And I, I gotta be honest, this was just a nothing event. This was a guy that, that traditionally buys businesses, maybe thinking about finding other rich guys that maybe might want to give him some money before he maybe goes and talks to a guy who absolutely for sure doesn't want to sell. This is not going to happen. I mean, like, is it a story? I guess, I guess it's a story, but I fear five years from now, I'm going to have this name added to Mark Cuban, who has also not been interested in buying the team for 10 years, nor was Bob Nutting ever interested in selling the team to him. So, I mean, how many times do you have to stick your hand in a frying pan before you realize it's hot? This team is not being sold. Not right now. Not soon. Not next week. It's just not happening right now. If somebody comes and they have serious money of their own, they want to buy the team and, and they've had talks with Bob Nutting and he's shown interest, I'm on board. Do it. This isn't me defending Bob Nutting. This is me just in general saying, please stop getting your hopes up about stuff like this. It's not going to happen. I mean, Jim, you've seen these, these comments all week long, I'm sure. I I bet you've probably just avoided them if I know you. Yeah, <laughs> you know I tried to avoid it, but it was so ludicrous that I I almost couldn't resist. Um, I mean I feel like an idiot now because I just went out and bought you know a luxury suite because I just thought it was happening, man. Just from the just from the straight <laughs> just from the jump, I just did, I said this guy's totally legit. And, uh, honey, let's move some money around in these bank accounts and let's get, let's get in on the action. Um, no, look, I mean, look, this is the question I'll ask anybody, you, anybody that listens to this, anybody I talk to on the street that may not even want to talk about the pirates, but I will say this, if you're Bob Nutting, would you sell the Pittsburgh pirates? No, why would you right now? I mean, I wouldn't sell my Apple shares either. 
So. No, I, you know, so look, I think there's there's the, this uh, air of desperation here in the fan base that, uh, you know, they, 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 they take that and they hear it and they just latch on to it because hope, right? it's 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 hope that maybe there's something better around the corner uh, but you know i think uh who was it was it uh morgan freeman said hope is a dangerous thing right so yeah. um it, look the, the guy the, the thing that tipped me off was right away a i'd i'd never heard of him b he was local and i'd still never heard of him <laughs> so that was a real that was a real tip off because I think Absolutely. me and you me and you we have you know uh, enough um, what's the word uh, uh, we pay attention enough to the Pittsburgh scene and that's just a name I had never even remotely heard of in any way shape or form so um, and then a guy who's serious about buying the Pirates is not going to take shots at the ownership during his quasi press conference, whatever you want to call that with that probably had eight people in attendance, two of which were homeless guys and four other were media. And, and the other two, the other two were just, you know, um, people that happened to be passing by. So, um, yeah, you don't, I mean, he, he, he bashed the ownership. Look, I mean, the intentions were, I'm a businessman. I am a salesperson and I like to get my name out there and unbelievably so he got some coverage out of it. So it, it, I mean, I understand why why he got coverage because of course that's a story that's going to get attention. I I just can't believe he's the only person that has come forward in the last 5 years saying that he might want to potentially think about maybe buying the team. Right. That's just not, you don't set up a GoFundMe to buy a baseball team. This is you don't you don't go out and say I'm looking to find some people who may want to help me invest and buy. Like, that's not how it works. That's just not how it works. I'm looking um, for the same thing, and my my phone is just you know uh, it's just not ringing, Gary. I, I'm I mean, I I was floored by the attention it got. I really was because when I, when I first read the story. I understood why the story was written. the The author himself, you know, Jason Mackey, wrote, um, you know, Bob Nutting's quotes in it that he's just flat out not interested in selling the team. But people won't read that. That's the problem. It's the problem that I experience a lot with things I write. I'm sure. I'm sure every writer does. You know, you you know, the headline is just as powerful as as all the rest of the writing. You know, absolutely. Um, people rarely remember what's in the ninth paragraph of something you write. They remember the headline and the headline is the story. Most people will tweet that out. Somebody says uh, new ownership group looking to purchase the pirates. That's that's the story. That's the story. What, good or bad. And you knew that when you put it out, you know, <laughs> if, if anything, say like, um, unlikely to happen but you know and maybe you get like less clicks i suppose but 
at least people wouldn't run with a story like that acting like it's definitely happening i mean and let's talk about let's talk about another angle on it too i mean bob nutting he's gonna make his money whether you go to these games or not yeah, i mean that's that's the really i think frustrating part about it for some people is that the way it's set up those turnstiles don't make that much of a difference not nearly as much as you would like them to. Right. And, and I, you know, if you really want to like start getting into the nuts and bolts of what's wrong with baseball, that's, that's probably in the middle of the totem pole somewhere, you know, um, it, it would be nice if ticket sales had more of a direct effect on revenue because, uh, you know, it would force you to, to spend a little bit and try, but, when you're in rebuilding, as we are right now, they're not going to spend. They're not going to spend right now. The payroll is going to go down next year. It will. I mean, <laughs> people don't want to hear that stuff, but it's, it's going to go down. And that's with all the arbitration and everything. Just getting rid of Polanco is going to do that. So it, you shouldn't look at next year any differently. That's, that's the way it is. They're building a young team and, and a young team that's going to cost next to nothing. For the better part of five years, it's the way yeah, it is. And, and 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 that's another reason why I think you look at it and you're th- you can just automatically cross off the list right now of any type of sale of the team. I mean, clearly, um, Nutting didn't go into this making all these changes. Um, you know, uh, investing into the things he's he's um, invested in and the way he's trying to, you know, build this this organization right now to just turn around and flippantly sell the team, Um, especially to some, I refer to him as a huckster that, that um, (laughs) is just, is just, you know, looking to grab some headlines. Um, So, yeah, I mean, right now, uh, I don't know. There will only be a few names that had Pittsburgh ties that would get my attention if they said they would want to buy the pirates. And even then, what does that mean? It doesn't matter. I don't care how much money you have. If the person that owns the team doesn't want to sell them and is perfectly happy with the arrangement that uh, is in place right now, it doesn't matter. You could have more money than God. It won't matter. Exactly. I mean, so to me, dead story. I just, I, I, I just, I, I can't go any further than that on it. I, I just, to me, it was a waste of column space, but uh, I guess it's a story one way or another. Well, and then, you know what? There'll be another one. There'll be another one at some point. And, um, you know, it'll it'll get its uh, legs for a little bit. And then I think people then, uh, it, people come back to reality a little bit. Absolutely. But I mean, so let's put a cap in the ownership change that never was and take another break. And when we come back, we're going to discuss uh, a little bit about the current Another interesting thing that took place while I was gone, as I alluded to earlier, was that the Pirates just decided to start playing some decent baseball. And, you know, they they took a series from Cleveland. They split a series with the White Sox. They're 
up two games to none on St. Louis and, you know, hanging in there in the, in the third game so far. Um, and I've seen a lot of people already starting to say, like, see, the team's all back together and healthy and look how, look how decent they are. We can't trade anybody now. And uh, I mean, I feel like we've said this a million times, but the plan is the plan. You have to stick with the plan. <laughs> These guys just aren't going to be around. Um, you know, if they found a way to extend Adam Frazier, okay, I'd be okay with it. But, I, I mean, if, if not, he has to get dealt. He really does. You have to continue to build that farm system up. That's really where the where the bread is buttered, and I know uh, I know you're on board with this. I also know that you you probably wouldn't mind if they would extend a few players, not unlike Adam Frazier, even if it's just as a sign of good faith. I think, look, I mean Adam Frazier this year. My goodness, let's give him credit. Uh, all the things I think people thought he might be capable of as a hitter. Um, this year, it, it has kind of come together for him. I mean, I've always been kind of an Adam Frazier guy. I love his swing. I love his approach at the plate. I think, um, you know, those are all things that like, we've seen him in like, in like a month or two stretch where he gets unbelievably hot and gives us that glimpse. And it looks like, you know, hey, guys, sometimes they do take t- till 28, 29. Right. Uh, and they've seen enough major league pitching, and they just really come into their own. And, and, and it appears that that's where he's at right now. Well, I was um, under the impression that if you didn't make it to Hall of Fame status by the time you were 23, you were a bust. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> that certainly seems to be the, uh, the, the patience level these days. Yeah, I mean, look – He's somebody that I, I tweeted this out the other day. I said, Adam Frazier, as much as I like him, as, as well as he's playing, and he's, he's an easy guy to root for. But to me, he is the textbook example of a guy that you move and sell high on. Um, and I, I just I, – I, I don't know if I'm drawing up a scenario – um, if this was a scenario that was presented to pirate fans, even last year, I think people are like, Oh my God, you trade them. You got to get, you got to get what you can get for right. them. And then it actually happens. And then we're having uh, seller's remorse even before it's happening. So, I mean, that's where I'm at with it. I just think that like, this is a no brainer. If you can, I mean, look, if the market is extremely soft and everybody's going to lowball you, well, that's a different story. I don't expect that to happen. He he's he's too valuable of a piece for a contender right now. Yeah. But that's just me. I think uh one thing that a lot of people don't understand about a rebuild and it's not really their fault. If you if you just look at at the history of the Pittsburgh Pirates and every time they've said they were rebuilding or retooling or going for a bridge year or whatever cliche thing they threw out there they, they've never shown you what Ben Charrington's trying to show you. And we, we kind of get the impression that a, a sell-off has to all happen in one off season, right? So in order for this to be a true rebuild, they should have sold every asset and 
2019 and just started from scratch right then and brought up AAA players, ready or not, to, to play up here for, for two years. Some could argue that's what they've been doing. But that's not the method that he employs. It's not the method he's ever employed. And Boston's the best example. Boston has a ton of money. I'm not going to sit here and tell you they're in the same boat. But when they won their World Series, Ben Charrington, they did not spend as much as, as you would typically associate the Boston Red Sox with spending. And it was because they tore down their team to the roots and they, they went with talent they knew was coming. They acquired more and then they used it. It's exactly what he's trying to do here. And it took a couple seasons to get to that point. It didn't all just happen in, in 2013. He didn't just up and sell everything. That's just not the way it works. You got to, well, you yeah. got to sell people when they're at high value. And when someone's having a career season like Adam Frazier and you're running out of control, I'm sorry. Bye. I mean, he, he has to go. See yeah, that or extend him. I think in a perfect world, it would be great to extend him and and um, and um, and hope that this is something that you'll see from here on out with Adam Fraser. But there's just as good of a chance that he regresses to old Adam Fraser. Matter of fact, this could be a career year for him. So there's just as good a chance that he's actively going to start turning into literal old Adam Frazier. Right. So by the end of that contract, should you extend him? Yeah. So, I mean, nobody wants burdened with that at that point, right? Um, the fans don't want it. The pirates certainly wouldn't want it as far as carrying that kind of money. Cause Adam Frazier right now is going to get a decent deal when it comes time. Um, so, I think fans, you know, saying pirate fans saying, well, let's extend them and, and, and sign them. First of all, Adam Frazier's not going to give you a hometown discount. This is Adam Frazier's one chance to cash in. And uh, I don't know who his agent is, but his agent's not stupid and they're going to try to take full advantage of this situation. So that's uh, a great point about <laughs> it, It's a great point about it being his one chance at a big contract because right. Yeah, he's not going to give you a couple pity years. I mean, he'd he'd want five, six, something that gets him a lot closer to the end of his career. And by then, you're looking at a 35 year old, you know, second baseman who you hope yeah. is still hitting, and he may very well be. But you know, he's also played almost every single game for about four years here in Pittsburgh, and he's been rough on his body you know, playing second base and outfield. I mean, that's not an easy position to play and, and keep that range going and everything. And while I'm not discounting his capability there, I am saying you really do need to just look at the, the total picture of the player. It's not as simple as we just want him to be here for a couple of years. If he would stay for a couple of years for, for 10 billion and, and they had that agreement, I bet they'd do it. It extends the timeline. They can always trade them next year instead or the year after. You don't have to keep them the whole time. But if you lock him down for five or six years, he's going to be here. And you're going yeah, to struggle to move him. 
And, and the other aspect to all this is, too, with a guy like Adam Frazier, and, and I don't know this, so I'm just bringing it up. Does he want to stay? I mean, he might be at the point where, like, A, we just talked about, he's looking to cash in, which he has every right to want to do. And, and B, does he want to go somewhere and win? You know, and that's his right, too, at this point, um, to an extent, obviously, contractually and whatnot. Sure. But I'm sure, you know, he has those aspirations. And the reality is he's – the Pirates are, depending on who you want to talk to or argue with, uh, how many X numbers of years away from that. So we're talking about a lot of different factors, and we don't even know if he wants to stay in the first place. So – Sure. And there's an argument to be made that, you know, if they extended him a couple of years, he'd be here in the, into the window and, you know, that he'd have as good a chance here as anywhere else. Right. Sure. But um, why take that risk when you could literally play one more year wherever you get traded and then pick and choose your, your destination, what's best for your family, where you want to live, where you want to play. He's finally going to be in a situation where he can control some of that. Right. And, I, and, and I that, that's valuable to these guys. I don't think everybody realizes just how rare that is that an MLB player gets to that point where they actually get to make that call. Right. And you see a lot of people like Josh Harrison and Jordy Mercer still floating around, picking up one year contracts, hoping they don't get DFA'd, you know, getting used in bit roles. And, you know, you never get that big contract. So, and they both are guys that are perfect examples here. They both signed extensions here to stay and stick around. And, and they gave a couple extra years cheap and there you go. Look at the, look at what's happened to them. <laughs> they, they didn't get to lock down that big money contract someplace else because they, they gave a little bit of a discount to stay here. It, it's, it's, it's a different player, but Josh Harrison had a season just about every bit as good as what Frazier's doing right now. He really, he really did. Broke out. And, you know, the Pirates jumped on it, and they were in their window. It made sense to jump on it. It doesn't that's, right now. That's the, that's the biggest point, though, right, Gary, is at that point in time, it seemed and it was the right decision. Um, we're talking a totally different set of circumstances right now, and – We've talked about this many times. There's just not, there's, there's nobody on that team. And again, I say this, you know, um, with the understanding of, of course, you're not going to trade Kid Brian Hayes, but you will listen on anybody on that team that someone wants to make a call on. Um, yeah, the odds are that you would never move him, but these are all guys that are in um, the Pirates are in transition. And they're all guys you need to listen on. Um, so I, I just look, the pirates are playing a little better. It's good to see all of a sudden you start getting a little bit, um, uh, what sort I'm looking for, um, hopeful or just like, Oh, well, maybe they're turning the corner here. Even if they were look bad teams, even bad teams play some decent baseball in stretches, right? I mean, 10, 15, 20 games, bad team can look pretty decent. And the Pirates have done that in the past, too, and kind sure of fooled – they've fooled fans, and they even fooled the management, uh, you know, the GM. Um, I won't 
to be fair, it was easier to fold the last GM, but well, yes, but it, it fold them. And uh, so look, we, we get caught up in these small sample sizes and these, these um, 10, 15, 20 game stretches. And like you said, the plan shouldn't change. Nothing derails this train from what the ultimate goal is in the timeline that is set. That's exactly where I'm at, my friend. And on that note, I think we need to end today's episode. And I wanted to thank the best pinch hitter in Pittsburgh that we've seen since the great late Wilmer Defoe, Jim Stam, <laughs> for jumping on and, and saving my bacon this week. That's the nicest compliment anyone's ever given me, Gary, uh, comparing me to Wilmer Defoe. So I, I, it's a heartfelt appreciation. Uh, you can play anywhere and you've proven <laughs> it multiple times. So. I appreciate it, my friend. And thank you to everybody for listening. As always, listen to all the episodes of, of this show on, on DK Pittsburgh sports podcasting network and listen to all the shows. They're all very good. Um, highly recommend the Ramon Foster show. If you haven't listened to it, it's just a different kind of show and I thoroughly enjoy it. I look forward to it every single week. Yeah. Even it's really good. Isn't one it? A few I actually made time for last week. Believe it or not, so. It's excellent. All right. Thanks, everybody. Let's go, bye.